Hello and welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com, sponsored by Ultimate Fan. Tasty little treat because it's the Carabao Cup final on Sunday, so we're going to preview Chelsea v Liverpool. It does feel like Chelsea have turned a little bit of, of a corner, George. I'm always wary of saying these things with Chelsea and Manchester United because as soon as you say it, they end up letting you down. But what I liked about last week's performance at Manchester City, I liked the centre-back pairing and I almost think Thiago Silva being injured may make Chelsea stumble upon their best centre-half partnership because De Sassi and Colwell look very good against the best team in the world. Well, Aston Villa in the Cup. Yeah, they, they did look good in that game as well. <laughs> no, they, I, don't think they together. I don't think they played together in that game. I'm talking no, about but, the Manchester was, City game, George, as you know. But it was also that Thiago is out for that game and it was one of uh, Chelsea's best performances of the season too. I do kind of wonder with, with Thiago Silva, like you watch him and obviously, you know, he's a, he, he never looks like a weak link uh, in Chelsea's backline. But maybe not having a 39-year-old centre-back, even if he doesn't play like a 39-year-old, might not be the worst thing. And in Colwell and Dezazi, they've got two players who I think complement each other really well. Like There's a balance um, between Colwell playing on the left-hand side. I think Dezazi's a, a very impressive combination of being just so dominant physically and aerially whilst also being able to play. And I think with Caicedo being able to drop in between the two and distribute out from the back, it, it kind of works really well. I mean, it, there, there are two caveats to this. Firstly, let's not pretend that Manchester City didn't create loads of chances in that game. Like the, the still an XG of like 3.7. Haaland had a very rare off day in front of goal. But, you know, this wasn't a shutout. This wasn't a centre-back pairing who prevented the best team in the world from creating any chances. Um, and also, it's, you know, it's, it's a very small sample size. The, the one good thing for Chelsea coming into this game is that their best performances this season have come against the best teams in the league, yeah. in my mind. Like, when you consider they played um, Liverpool, Manchester City and Arsenal all at Stamford Bridge and haven't lost any of those games. Yes, they drew all three, but given how poor their season's been, that in itself is pretty impressive. The fact they also went to the Etihad and got a draw, the same. The fact they went to Spurs and beat them 4-1. Uh, they beat Brighton at home as well. Like, it's the away, so it's the home defeat against Villa that, that really stands out. And then, of course, the Los Anfields being poorer performances but then also you've got the, the the cup game against Aston Villa where they were very impressive so for whatever reason they seem to be a side who perform at their best against better opposition and that you know arguably is why they've made the, the final of the Carabao Cup and and why going into this game I think they, they have a, a you know the uh, I think the presumption amongst neutrals and fans is that Liverpool are a massive favourites of this and of course they are favourites but I look at like the, the book bigger prices and the rest of it probably has Chelsea a bit closer to Liverpool than, than people would expect. Yeah, just on, on De Sassi again, um, 16 clearances he was uh, credited with against Manchester City <laughs> on his own. 16 effective clearances, three blocks. Uh, I think one of them was basically a goal line clearance as well, wasn't it? Um, just sort of scooping it off the line a little bit. Not quite on the line, but you know what I mean. Um, and he was he was really good. And I so remember that I went to Selhurst Park to watch Palace Chelsea that game that you guys were taunting me and by insisting that it was going to be a drab nil nil. No no um, no, we 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 didn't taunt you. Well, we did taunt you a little bit, but also you were complaining about being in corporate hospitality. I don't know, I remember that's anyway. great. That is yeah, that is true. Anyway, uh, I enjoyed the game from corporate hospitality and watched Jefferson Lerma's best goal ever in the history of football. Um, Straight after one of the worst attempted shots I think I've ever seen. Big time, big time. Um, but uh, what really struck me is, you know, obviously you get a different feel for players when you when you see them in, in person. It's the first time I'd seen Axel de Sassi in person. The bloke is gigantic, isn't he? Like, I, I mean, he reminds me of a block of flats. <laughs> he is rectangular, square shoulders, 
massive. He made Mateta look skinny and any other big player on that pitch look small. He is a man mountain. And like, yes, he's dominant in aerials and dominant in box defending and really strong from set pieces attacking. Defending. It's no wonder. It's like when he moves, he has like a gravitational pull. Everyone just falls out of the way. It's absolutely amazing. And I love I love it when I see a player for the first time in the flesh and you kind of get a different feel for them. And De Sassi, like yeah. everything you see, like in the duels and the percentages, and you, it's no wonder. The guy is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculously big. Um, it it and reminds could... me of something out of Minecraft. The shot, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I think. Squarish, built, yeah. built square. Yeah, for sure. Someone's built it, built a Minecraft centre back. <laughs> Very good. Um, but yeah, that complemented with the fact that Silver, you know, we've got all the love for Thiago Silver in the world, right? Uh, a huge of amount of respect for his career, but he has been terrible this season. And now that he is not in the team, they look a lot better, and it's no surprise. Yeah, someone else in that in that backline, George, is uh, Mael Augusta, who you know plays a lot of football due to the fact that Rhys James is is never ever fit. If and when Rhys James comes back, I mean, I'm sure he'll get injured again. When when he does come back, is is Gusto almost too good to be back up, or is it good that Chelsea have two high level players in that position? I think the days of of backup players, especially in wide areas, are kind of gone. Especially sure. when you play with with the, the way that Chelsea play, the right back is effectively what a, a right winger. Um, has classically been in terms of physical profiles. And I think if you're going into a season expecting your right back to play 40 games, 45 games in all competitions, then you're probably going to end up having one with an injury record like Reese James, frankly. So I, I don't, I, I think Malo Gusto, even if Reese James sounds, feels like it's about to burst out laughing. No, but... I'm still laughing about the Minecraft centre back thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was off, off, off the cuff, Lauren, as well. It's off so good. Line. I've been <laughs> laughing about it. Gusto is. Is, is, I mean, he's so good in possession and that's been pretty pretty evident since he came in. There have definitely been some defensive question marks around his willingness to defend, about, about his capability to defend. I thought he did pretty well against Doku. Like, again, it's one where the, the scoreline tells its own story. I thought in the last 20 minutes, Doku was, was consistently Manchester City's out ball and he did pretty well in possession as well. Like, you know, he just certainly wasn't torn apart by him but at the same time it felt like Docker is pretty capable of standing up and going going past him either on the outside or the inside pretty consistently um but you know this is a guy like Sassi, you know this is a guy who's come in to a, a pretty high pressure situation it's his first season in premier league football and i think he's made he's he's setting out and he's improving i'd say consistently but it's, it's quite rare i think for players to come in um and have really standout first seasons and gusto i think is showing that if he continues his current improvement trajectory, he's a he's a very shrewd pickup. Yeah, Enzo Fernandez as well, Sam. I still feel like I'm not sure what type of central midfielder he is. I feel like every time I watch him, I see little facets of things that he's good at. But I, I'm still I still feel like I don't know whether he's like someone who is kind of box to box, someone that sits in and is a is a good passer. Does he does he do all these things decent in the tackle as well? You're going to tell me now what type of midfielder he is. Yeah, I'll try. But it's just funny because the way you were talking about him then and saying, oh, well, he does all these different things really well. It's a little bit difficult to pin him down sometimes. Doesn't that sound quite a lot like another Argentinian midfielder who is going to be playing in this final? Alexis McAllister is really good at lots of things. And like he gets cast in different roles and different as a different profile. And he seems to be able to do all sorts of stuff. You know, he's played a lot of time at the base of midfield for Liverpool, 
was played as a 10 in Argentina, played box to box at the World Cup for his nation, scored a goal from the penalty spot the other week. You know, these two players have very multifaceted skill sets. And I think the only thing I would say on Enzo is he's definitely not a shadow striker. And actually, he's been set back quite badly this season by Pochettino playing him in way too advanced a role. But the rest of it, you know, whether you play him as a six or an eight as part of a midfield three or a midfield two, put him in front of the defence or let Caicedo do that and move him a bit further. I think he can do all sorts and he's really effective at lots of different things. Just don't play him as a shadow striker. That's my one request. I've been talking about this all year, but it's been annoying me all year. It's stopped recently, but it was quite a big problem for the first three months of the season. Is is there an argument, and, and Liverpool fans listen to this, will, will scoff because they're very happy with Alexis McAllister, but is there an argument that in a way, in terms of the profile of the players that they kind of were bought, were bought for, you could argue that Alexis McAllister would be a much better fit for Chelsea squad right now, and Enzo is probably a more natural player to play in the, in the role that Alexis McAllister's played this season? Hmm. I would say, like I think Enzo's at his best in my mind when he's playing as the distributor of the base of midfield. That he's the one collecting the ball off the, off the defenders. He's the one where basically all possession goes through, and he's given creative freedom to create from deep. And he's also the person who's kind of the metronomic um, midfielder who will tick everything over. And that's basically the role that McAllister has been asked to play this season for the most part for, for Liverpool when he's playing in the middle of the three even though we know that he has some of the attacking capabilities that Enzo maybe doesn't have, but he's been asked to to kind of perform in that role for, for Chelsea. Yes, probably a fair point. I mean, I think neither fan base would swap the players, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not, not, mm. not, not saying like, oh, would you swap them? They, lo- they, exactly. they, both, they both love those <clears throat> players. But, mm. but you might be right there. Like that, that, that might be quite a nice quite a nice uh, body swap, a Freaky Friday situation. No one would that's, notice. That's going to be the, the clickbait headline now, isn't it? Like Chelsea Liverpool should swap McAllister and Enzo. Swap, not swap World Cup winners, that. according yeah. to George Ellick. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Liverpool then and injuries, George. Catastrophic injuries for the, for them at the moment. Although they don't seem to be dealing with it badly at all. Another win last night against Luton, four one. So so two four one wins in the last game. Where they're undoubtedly the favourites for this game, but we've already said Chelsea seem to have upped their game against the better teams. How do you see Liverpool going into into this cup final and how much of a priority is it for them? Look, I think when you're in a final, it's kind of irrelevant priorities. Like you're in a cup final, you're going to play the best possible team available for you. You're not going to be thinking about the Premier League title race. Like this is a one-off game where it doesn't really impact anything else. So uh, I, I, I don't think at the beginning of the season, the Carabao Cup was a priority for Jurgen Klopp. I think right now with the game two days away, it's absolutely the, the most important thing that's happening at Liverpool Football Club this weekend. So in that sense... You know, I have no concerns, but I think we have to acknowledge that, you know, the, the, as a cup final, it's coming at an incredibly bad time for them. Um, you know, there will be more important games to come in the, in the in the title race, but right now they're incredibly short. And when you look at, you know, the, the game on Wednesday night where they were one nil down at half time against Luton at home, and they were poor in the first half. I give Luton massive credit for that. I thought Luton. Luton's press is just phenomenal. Like they're so good at stopping teams from from getting out and playing in, in advanced areas. And in the second half, you know, Liverpool's quality shone through. Yeah, and they won the game fairly comfortably. Uh, but when you look at the players that came off the bench yesterday, it tells its own story. Where you've got uh, Bobby Clark, you've got Jaden Dans, James McConnell. Like these are the players who, at the moment, because Liverpool are so thin in, in depth, are 
the you know that they are the, the players waiting in the wings. They're going to be the players that are on the bench, and that's pretty important in a cup final, especially one that could go into extra time. So there are concerns there. But having said that, the the embarrassment of riches that that Liverpool have, the fact that your your front three, despite all the injuries on on Wednesday night, was Luis Diaz, Cody Gakpo, and Harvey Elliott, is, is still phenomenal. The versatility of, of individual players. So the fact that Elliott, for the most part, now plays on, on in, in the in the midfield three, is still able to play as that kind of attacking inside forward off the right. The fact that McAllister, who's played a lot of games this season playing as, as a holding midfielder, can play on either side of the three and, and probably in a push can play more advanced as well. Like uh, they're not at their strongest, but but at the same time, in terms of a starting lineup, I, I don't think they're gonna be um too short quality come Sunday. Yeah, George is focusing on the, well, to, to a point, naming the sort of subs bench there and looking at who's coming on. I looked at the starting 11 and saw Kelleher, Bradley, Kwanzaa, Gomez, Endo, Gravy, Elliot and Hakpo. And I was like, eight players who would not be in Liverpool's strongest 11. And they won 4-1. <laughs> they're phenomenal, like, they're a like, phenomenal well, beast. It's incredible. Like it, this, this, this injury bug is is really hit them hard. And you're right; it's a terrible, terrible time for them to be without some of these players. You'd imagine they're getting one of, if not both, of Salah and Darwin back this yeah. weekend. You'd imagine, but Canato you know, was rested last night as well, and Robertson, he? and Robertson too. Yeah, so yeah. they'll both come in. Robertson the bench. There's two. Obviously, yeah, Kelleher would play anyway. Um, yeah. But so they, 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 but they might be without four. But, but isn't that just? And I've noticed it more this season, probably because of various factors, um, such as players playing too much and injury time and the rest of it. But like, I'm getting really bored of, especially managers complaining about injuries and talking about the, you know, we've got this many. Play- like every team in mid February has four, five first team players out. Like this is. Yep. This is the game. Like no one has their strongest team available consistently over the course of a season. So that's why it comes down to the strength of a squad rather than you know, I, I think if, if on Sunday Liverpool lose to Chelsea, Jurgen Klopp can't come out and say, Well, look at the injuries because like it's it's kind of par for the course. I know they've been they've been more hit now than than most teams and, and in particular Salah is you know, arguably uh, the best player in the league or certainly one of them. But I, I kind of think I'm I I think I'm just bored of the um of the the amount of talk that goes through every club about injuries because everyone's got them. And realistically, when certain players come back in the next couple of weeks, there'll be others who get injured. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying completely. I do think the way, for example, they handled the Brentford game last week, losing two players in the first half in separate instances yeah, yeah. and then having to take Darwin off almost to protect themselves to be able to make another substitution in case anything happened to him in the second half. I do think the way Klopp handled that was absolutely brilliant and that was a really good game last mm. Saturday at Brentford. But that's the thing with Liverpool this season, isn't it, Sam? They just seem to be able to ride out any storm that comes their way and just always find a way to win and get the job done. I think they're absolutely incredible, bearing in mind as well, injuries and they're almost in the midst of a mini rebuild. And now they know their manager's going at the end of the season as well. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's the old mentality monsters thing kicking in again, isn't it? And um, it's what Klopp has built in terms of a mentality of a squad. And it's... So obviously they've, they've gone to a losing position last, uh, last night on Wednesday against Luton and gone and won. I can't remember the exact stat, but it puts them over 20 points won from losing positions once again. I think they're on 22. It's it's absolutely remarkable. I mean, part of me is like, stop going behind. Um, and I say that to Manchester City as well. I think eight of the last 14 games that they've played, they've gone behind. So I don't know why these two of the three best clubs in the world are consistently going behind in games, but they are at least responding consistently in the correct manner and going on and, and churning on the points. 
Yeah, George, you touched on uh, on Kelleher, the goalkeeper who will be in goal at, at the weekend and, and would have been in goal. And actually, sorry, I think it was Sam that touched on, on was, Kelleher, yeah. the fact he'll, he'll be playing. He would have been playing regardless of Alisson's injury situation. I'm shocked to learn he's 25, Kelleher. I thought I thought he was <laughs> he was younger than that. But is he too good to be a number two? Alisson's 31. You know, he's in goalkeeping terms, he's got a number of years left in his career and you'd imagine he'd stick around at Liverpool. Is Kelleher almost too good to be a number two? Does he need to go and find his own way now? Forrest were rumoured to be interested in him in the in the January window. Forrest, looking for a goalkeeper? No, they haven't got <laughs> enough. They haven't no. got like seven on the books, I think. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I always think it's probably quite a nice life being a number two keeper in a club like Liverpool. You know, you, you play yeah, quite a lot. You Even better than a number three at Manchester City good money. Scott Carson. Yeah, well, no, but I mean, Keller can do that in 10 years when he's 35. Like, for now, he can actually play a few games. I always think there's there's probably too much hype around um, goalkeepers who we see very little of. Like, uh, you know, Keller has performed admirably this time around. I think there have been periods in recent seasons where he's come into Allison and hasn't performed particularly well. And talk of him going 50 million would have been pretty fanciful. Um, he looks okay. I mean, like, look at Dean Henderson, for example, who was, you know, Manchester United fans were up in arms for two seasons that he wasn't pushing David De Gea for his starting spot and now he's at Palace and he's he's kind of doing okay like he's he seems to be a, a middling goalkeeper like, injured all the time as well uh, injured a lot like, I, I don't know I, I kind of I think rating I think what I'm trying to say in short is that I'd like to see Kelleher play first team football for a team for a whole season before deciding if he's actually any good or not um, it's, a, it's a small sample size he's playing for a team who don't come under much pressure um, and I think it's probably Quite easy to look okay, and I think he's probably having quite a nice life. So yeah, yeah. I always think it's I always think it's hard to come in for a, a, a team like that. Like the, the the pressure's on you coming into a big club and only playing once every three months. I think that's in a way harder. But he, but he, he'll face he'll face as many shots in about four games as you know the someone who comes in at a Sheffield United or a Luton does in a game. Like that Brentford, is, Brentford threw it a fair bit at him, I thought. Yeah, he did all right. He did, did well he? against. He, he did, did well he did well against Brentford. Yeah, he did do well. Yeah, but like, yeah. but I, as I said, I think that there have also been times where he's come in and hasn't performed particularly well. Um, mm. I'm not even going to go at him. Like, I, I think no, he's, no. you know, I, I just wouldn't um, be, I don't think we can sit here and be like, yeah, Forrest, you go out and get him. He's the answer to their goalkeeping problems. These these conversations are hard because, you know, none of us know Quibbe and Kelleher, so we don't know what he's thinking and, and, and how he feels. And like, there's part of me that always thinks, oh, why aren't you going and pushing yourself? You're 25. You seem to be pretty good. You should be asking for a transfer because it's time for you to spread your wings. And particularly, like, I, I like if he played for Ireland despite being back up for Liverpool and there was no problems, I probably wouldn't feel so strongly about it. But like he doesn't get to play for Ireland either because Gavin Bazunu plays regular first team football. So like mm. basically Kelleher never plays. If Liverpool get back into the Champions League, which they will, he will get at most six games of football next year. And at a certain point, like year on year on year, like is that is that enough to satisfy your appetite? It's totally up to him. We are all individuals. It would not work for me. <laughs> Just that, that's what I'll say. I mean, in, in this podcast, for, for example, you know, you're coming in in the cold, well, in the yeah. cold one way, coming in coming in the next. So you can almost relate to, to how he feels, I guess, more than George and myself. <laughs> that's why I wore my goalkeeper's top. Today. You do look a bit yeah. like a goalkeeper today. <laughs> and you say, you say none of us know Kelleher, and I don't, I don't know him. I did, I did see him a few months ago outside the Nike shop in London. Did you wow. say that? I was, I was like, there's Kelleher. Yeah. I didn't say anything to him. There is. I don't think he recognised me, but uh, yeah, I don't know him, but I did see him. Okay, sighted in London in mid midweek. Should he have been there? Who knows? I don't know. Don't want to get him in trouble. Obviously, his uh, sure. his brother plays for Colchester. 
Does he? Mm. He played for Oxford for a bit. Fierke, centre back. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Every day is a score day. Let's talk a bit about the, who has been the kind of the senior man in, in some ways, George, in Liverpool's front three in recent weeks, or certainly the most consistent figure in the front three. Luis Diaz. He's been the who scored player of the match in three of his last six matches and scored or assisted in three of his last four. Good job, he stayed fit. Four of his last five now after the goal oh, against... the stats are out of date, aren't Luton. they? Yes. Well, in fairness, in fairness to the to the producer, you know, yes, right before no, the game. That the was not me night. knocking the producers. It was not no, the producer. Just, Our producer doesn't do the stats for us. For us that. It's the who scored the, guys do the, the, the stats. The, 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 the production team, I think we yeah. call them. Uh, everyone involved in the production of this great show. This is like a, a hallmark of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, isn't it? Where players just seem to step up at times of need. Like we've seen Diego Jota do it at times this season. And now Luis Diaz, who's been, you know, who uh, made a bit of a splash when he first came in at Liverpool. But I think it's been a, a, maybe a bit disappointing um, in the last six to eight months. But has now hit form at a time where Liverpool have really needed him. Um, he's someone who I think offers a lot in possession. He's, he's very, very tidy on the ball, but also his um, maybe his composure in the final third has sometimes been lacking, but that's something he's put right over the last couple of weeks. So I think he's a player that's frustrated and uh, enthralled Liverpool fans in equal measure. But right now at a time where so many Liverpool attackers are out, um, they need players like Diaz to step up and, and he's doing that. Yeah, got the combined 11 here. It's got to be one of the most interesting combined 11s of all time, given the fact that we're probably basing off the fact. I know it's just Carabao Cup ratings, to be fair, so that's probably why it's a little bit more interesting <laughs> than, than, than it would have been here. Do you want to have a guess at the, at the split, Liverpool-Chelsea? George, I'll come to you first. Just Carabao Cup. That feels yeah. hard. Chelsea have uh, had some hard games as well, haven't they, in the Carabao Cup? 6-5, s- Chelsea. I've absolutely no idea. What it doesn't really matter, does it? It was 7-4. Okay. 7-4 to Liverpool. I'll run through the team. It is a really interesting team. You've got Kelleher in goal, Connor Bradley at right back, Dizassi and Quanzer is the centre-half partnership with Timoshas at left back. have got Endo, Fernandez, and Gallagher as the midfield three. And then the front three is Palmer, Darwin and Gakpa. It's obviously weird to see a combined 11 for Liverpool and not see Salah in there, not see Van Dijk in there, but I assume mm. they haven't played. Well, they don't bother them with these kind of games, do they, up until the final? Yeah, just just come in, come in for the final, win a medal. Yeah, yeah that's a nice, that's a nice life as well. Yeah, winning I'll trophies. Take, I'll take that one. Yeah, so let's do our score predictions then for the cup final. These don't count towards the overall league rankings that we're doing in our our predictions league, but for a bit of a bit of fun, a bit of hijinks, let's have a let's have a prediction anyway. Sam, no, I don't. I don't, I don't make predictions unless the stakes are sky high. Well, you're going to have to because I've asked you to. Uh, one one all goes to penalties. Liverpool win it. Isn't there two cup finals a few years ago between these two that went to penalties? Because mm. yeah, I feel like this yeah. game is is always a draw and Kepa. somehow there's always penalties. Kepa yeah. final. Yeah. What are you going with, George? I think Chelsea might win the Carabao Cup. Do you? They have been good in the cups. Yeah, I, I'm going to say two one AET. I'm just going to pick Liverpool to win outright. To to be different. Score. Oh, that's a good point. I do need to put a put a score in there. Uh, 2-1 to Liverpool. 2-1 to Liverpool after extra time. Eight, so we got 2-1, 2-1-8. So we all agreed it's going to be a draw. We all agreed it's going to be a one-all draw. That's nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, going into the going into extra time. Good. All right. I probably yeah, won't just... watch the first 90 then. I'll just tune in for extra time. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know watch any of it. Why not? It's a cup final. I'll probably choose uh, Will Sheffield United if I've got to watch the game on Sunday. No, you won't. Come on. You can't. No one cares about. I mean, I is love it on at the same time. I don't think it's on at the same time, is it? 
No, it's not. But you know, I've got can't, can't, get, can't get away with two games on a Sunday. I haven't watched football day on Saturday. No, um, yeah, but I mean, I, lo- I love the Carabao Cup. But as soon as the last EFL team goes out, no one really cares anymore, do they? No, you and Ali Maxwell don't care. <laughs> I, was, I was watching the uh, the Sunderland Till I Die documentary. Yeah, yesterday. he was on. And I was expecting a Jonathan Wilson cameo, maybe. Wasn't expecting an Ali Maxwell and his big hairy chest cameo. How, and, 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 his, and, his, and his hair. He looks like Johnny Vegas, isn't it? It's got a massive Johnny quick. Vegas. I haven't seen <laughs> this. Come on. I was on, I was on Series 2 and, and Ali's now in this series. So Were we, you? Yeah. I don't yeah, very this. briefly. It was me. It was, it was, it was, they, they clipped up. They properly did me. Um, there, used to be, there used to be a Sky show called EFL Matters which was a terrible pun. Uh, and it was on Thursday night and it was Pratt's hosting and then a couple of guests talking about all things EFL. And um, we used to go on like once a month. And I was basically saying, my point was it was when Josh Madger was scoring goals for fun for Sunderland. He scored like 17 goals from 19 shots. It was a total joke. And all they kept me up with saying was, if Josh Madger keeps scoring at this rate, then he's the best finisher in world football. And my point was more that obviously that wasn't the case. But oh. they deleted all context. And they just made it look as if I was saying that Josh Madger was the best player in the world. So that was um, very kind of them. And have you proven to be correct or did he did he drop off? Massively dropped off. I think mean, he's had about 80 shots since and scored twice. <laughs> <laughs> so you say about AFL matters being a terrible pun. It's that bad. I don't even know how it's a pun. Because it's, it's both saying the EFL matters, as in it matters to people, it does, but yeah. also we're, we're going to talk about uh, EFL matters. Was it hosted by Sam Matterface? No, Pratt. Oh, that would have been... And I'll never hear a bad word said about David Pratton. No, so. no, no. I, I was going to pick you up on calling him Pratt, but I'm going to let you... Obviously, you know him, so I'm going to let that go. And like the time yeah, you yeah. were talking about John Terry and you kept calling him Jay to... Even I, I know him know. as well. So. No, no, I wasn't having that one. That wasn't his... <laughs> you only met him once. You can't just go around calling him Jay to... They're, they're, they're both are my you, mates. Are you not... Dan, are you not... A you know, what if you... Do you ever never refer to Villa players by their first name? You know, affectionately. Do you know any of them? No, no, but like even what, in the stands, like Jack, I call Douglas Jack, Jack. Dark. I call Dougie. Douglas Louise Doug all the time. Yeah, but if I met them, these people in person or spoke about them, like I, I would call them by their, their so full have name. Have you never right? thrown your hands in it and gone, oh, come oh, on, so Esri? So if you, met, if you met John Terry, right, and he came over to you and said... I have met John Terry, I, but I didn't call well, him there JT. Go. Yeah, but he, he says, hi, I'm JT. So what, so, well, sorry, so what are you meant to do after that? <laughs> yeah, but you, okay, fair enough. But you can't, it was the way you did it. And then JT what, said, JT What's great this. about this is and then I, JT I, completely, hit this I completely forgot we were recording a show there. I thought we were just having yeah, a chat. <laughs> none, of this will be, none of this will be in the edit anyway. I hope, hopefully, hopefully no. it does in, in some ways. Part of me thinks none of that will be in the edit.